New episode of Outside World Occultism for the first time in a while for us, less the first time in a while for you because we have a bit of a backlog that I am working <laughs> on now that some portion of my life is not on fire, or at least any more than anyone else's. Everybody's mm-hmm. lives is on fire at the moment. Yeah, I don't think yeah. anyone can fault you. Our topic for this week is yokai that have not been in Toho, or that have only been alluded to in Toho, which is a very, very, very big list, because there are a lot of yokai. I think you can convince a lot of yokai into different categories, though. For example, there's, I appeared once in a picture scroll because my name is Pan. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, by Toho standards, those are really valid anyway. In this episode, we're going to yeah. be reading the entire Kojiki. In the original <laughs> Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the original <laughs> Japanese, dialect and all. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say, we will be describing what archaic kanji look like as we frantically try to look them up in a dictionary that doesn't exist. <laughs> do we want to do introductions? Uh, I guess, yeah, probably helps me line up the episode. So I am JT. I'm Nee. And, yeah. Uh, I was going to go with that. <laughs> I have forgotten how to do introductions. <laughs> it's been a while. Let's do that. I am JT, and with me are Nee. Hello. Lavander. Hello. Katya. Hello. And F. Hiya. So, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> I know we all have sort of a list to one degree or another does anyone have anything in particular that they want to go through first i think there's a few that at least three of us are going to have in common yeah we kind of put up a list of the stuff we wanted to talk about and there were a few things that we were just all very excited to talk about so maybe we start with one of those sure do we want to start by talking to the wall (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's do the wall yeah let's do a nurikabe which is a yokai that's just kind of a wall? An invisible wall. It's a wall that exists specifically to spite people, rather than walls that do that as an accident. And it just gets in your way. Yeah, it's a creature that is kind of usually invisible, but is obviously, you know, given some kind of depiction in stories and stuff. In scrolls, usually. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to draw this famous yokai, so you're going to make it look weird and dumb most of the time. Exactly. And usually in those scrolls, it looks like a big, just like pile of flesh, just a big meaty wall. It's just a funny little guy. It'll just appear when some traveler is walking on a road or whatever. And when someone's trying to get somewhere. Yeah, it just blocks the way. It just causes inconvenience. It's just a huge pain in the neck. It's also probably the most, like, as far as yokai who haven't shown up in Toho, but show up a lot of places elsewhere, I think the Nurikabe is probably one of the more recognizable ones. Yeah. I was surprised when I first started researching this. When I first saw it, I was like, wait, I've like fought this thing before in like Final Fantasy and stuff. And it's usually just like, in those games, it's depicted as like a wall with like a demon face sticking out of it. Yeah. But it's just like a solid stone wall or whatever. But it's the same idea. That's a pretty common depiction of it too, actually. Mm-hmm. Not everything is just the funny little guy. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's most infamous example, at least to me, for those of you who have played Okami, and if you haven't played Okami, play Okami. It's on like every console that ever existed now. Because it's a good game. The block monsters that you need to beat to get 
I think it's mostly beads, where you just have to tap the screen in a bunch of places, or, you know, do that with a controller if you're playing it on PS2. Those are the resident depiction of the Nurikabe, and if you've 100%ed that game, I apologize for the flashback that you just had. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were in agreement that one reason that this would be fun in a Toho context specifically is because it, like, literally exists to show up and get in your way for no particular reason. Yeah, it would be like a perfect like stage three boss in Toho. Well, I'm here to specifically obstruct your way for definitely no reason. Yeah, Rainbow's just like, she's not at the point yet in the story where she's like, you know, got a beat on the incident. She's still kind of looking around trying to figure stuff out as she's making her way down a road or whatever. This girl just appears and just gets in her way for no reason just to be a pain and Rainbow has to beat her up. It'd be perfect. It's like designed to be in Toho, which I'm surprised that I'm kind of surprised that this one hasn't shown mm. up in Toho yet. I think there's just sometimes Zoom doesn't get around to doing the less obscure yokai. Well, n- nobody can get around with this yokai around. <laughs> I think it's also because of the fact that we've just gotten less major yokai characters in general recently because. There's been a lot of games about, like, spirits and gods and that sort of thing. Hmm. That's true. Though I think that we're definitely out of the religious arc at the moment. Oh, so yeah. we'll definitely start seeing just more yokai, especially as early stage bosses. I guess yeah. the visual depiction is going to be kind of weird. I mean, I can imagine how the ability would work her just moving perfectly in front of the character and like refusing to budge but I like the Nurikabe design is kind of hard to convey without making it like a weird block yeah that's true but I mean Zen's done weird stuff before as and just rendered it as like a just a girl yeah it could work I believe in his ability to do it yeah I think you could just like have her wearing a really blocky dress or something or carrying a wall around for that matter (laughs) She's got, like, a big armor on or something that's super bulky or whatever. She's got a giant shield. <laughs> yes, a shield would be great. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I actually kind of want to say that. Well, I mean, I already <laughs> wanted to say it, but now I really want to say it. Yeah, it's perfect. would love to see a Norikabe in Toho. Mm-hmm. Is that all we have to say about that? I guess. It's a wall. Yeah, yeah. it's a wall. We sort of hit a wall. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, but... <laughs> I forgot the thing I wanted to say was that it should probably have like a Danaku that was like a spell card that was just like a wall that would appear and block bullets. Mm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, and it'd be really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't that many like defensive spell card gimmicks in Toho, and all the ones that do exist are extremely irritating, but. <laughs> there's like. I mean, there's Ellie's scythe, but that's. There's Ellie's scythe, Yoshika taking the bullet for Sega. And then Rin's fairies are the biggest examples I can think yeah. of. And the I... latter two are sort of secondary. Oren's fairies are the worst because they're like, they home in on you, which makes them more of an offensive threat and a defensive annoyance too. I think like Yugi shoots out these walls that you can slash should like blast through, but they're not really so defensive since you can just go around them. Oh, there's also Sagume's walls of yin-yang orbs, too. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that would be a good Denmaku concept. 
Yeah. Another yokai that I wanted to talk about was the the giant skeleton yokai. Yes. <laughs> of course. The Gasha Dokoro. I think it's gotten like mildly mimetic in Western circles in recent years. Yeah, especially on Tumblr since there was that post that became a meme. Yes. Fuck Mountain Death Monster. <laughs> and that's all just the really nice looking like what is it? Is it a penning or a I think it's a woodcut. Yeah, I think it's a woodcut. That was the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I don't remember the artist off the top of my head, but I know the one you're talking about. It's a giant skeleton. Everyone listening to this, if you don't know the giant Japanese skeleton (laughs) painting, I'm not sure how you found this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because that guy's the one who just made it a giant skeleton instead of a bunch of tiny little skeletons, and I think that was an excellent creative decision. Yeah, Yeah, it was inspired. This one's also Mm -hmm. invisible sometimes, so a little bit of a running theme here sometimes yokai are just invisible that's what they're allowed to do the really interesting side isn't isn't it like quiet yeah even though it's like a giant skeleton it's still quiet and it can walk right behind you without you noticing yeah no rattling bones here this skeleton's joints are all well oiled Mm -hmm. yeah it doesn't even make like footsteps or anything Yeah. Well, actually, their bones do rattle sometimes, which is where the name comes from. But it has a stealth mode. It can turn off the rattling when it needs to spook (laughs) someone. It has giant skeleton active camouflage. (laughs) I want to play a Gasha Dokro Gasha game. (laughs) You just pull for different types of bones. (laughs) Exactly. You're trying to assemble the giant skeleton. You gotta pull a hundred different bones before you get your first character. This, this is my five-star femur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned previously, this one started off as, like, you know, just a bunch of tiny skeletons, sort of the Gravelord Nido from Dark Souls <laughs> of giant skeletons, and then, I guess, evolved into the guy from Dark Souls 3, the one who's a big skeleton. I don't remember his name. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. I think the thing for, like, adapting it to Toho 2, you absolutely could have it be, like, a three skeletons in a trench coat sort of situation. Hmm. Yeah, like, I think it would be really funny if the Toho character-inspired Gashidokuro was just a completely regular Toho character, like, complete, like, looks no different from any other Toho character, just like a human girl. I mean, she has bones, they're just inside her body. Yeah, but everyone, like, who talks to her still, like, refers to her as a skeleton and <laughs> talks about, like, her immense size and so on, as if it was, like, an extremely obvious thing about her, but she's just normal. I think that would be really funny. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of, like, the incident is, oh, there's a giant skeleton rampaging around, but it's actually, like, a bunch of tiny skeletons that have colluded to appear big. Yeah. Something like that. And then you have a few characters who make up the, you know, big skeleton as sort of its reference. And then you can do some fun, like, splitting up and joining spell card things that Mm -hmm. we really haven't... We've had multiple bosses that occasionally, like, trade off, but we haven't really had this spell card, they're all separate, and then they combine into big skeleton. And look, I'm not just saying that because I'm a mecha fan, but, like, (laughs) we would get some sick fan anime (laughs) stuff out of that. 
So like a, a boss that's like the Prison Rivers or my and Satono where there's like a couple of them and you have to fight them both at once. Yeah. And then every once in a while they climb into their giant skeleton suit and <laughs> throw really big bones. I want yeah. them to actually have a giant skeleton mecha now, you know? Yeah, that would actually be great. I'm actually more sold on this than what I was going with because like that was just a throwaway joke for me. I thought it'd just be funny for them to refer to this girl as a giant skeleton. <laughs> But this idea rules. I love this. I want to see mm-hmm. it now. But has anyone seen like a wider trend of like of yokai combining into bigger ones? So I've I've seen a couple, and I've stumbled across one that I think is like a specific inspiration for Suika. Oh, which one? Well, it's a specific oni and not like a species. But it the name was Otakemaru and. The thing combining it with Suika was that he could, like, grow into a giant and split into a thousand tiny oni. Yeah, I think that's definitely an inspiration. Plus, Suika got killed and didn't exactly die. Like that guy, too. The call clouds and range of fire and stuff like that, which is also Suika. Huh. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, because, like, everyone knows that Suika is... Root and toot and shoot and doji. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Truth and Doji doesn't really have any especially unique traits besides being a big strong Oni. He's just super Oni. He's like the quintessential awful Oni. Yeah, Zuna's a big fan of taking just like two or three or twenty different legends yeah. of various obscurity and just sort of combining them all into one character. Like look at Udemy, for example. It seems like it's kind of semi-obscure in the sense that it used to be one of the like three great yokai. But it got replaced in the newer versions. It got replaced huh. in newer versions because people decided that actually, wouldn't it be cool if a former emperor was one of the three great evil yokai instead? Yeah. <laughs> I take it he wasn't a very popular emperor. <laughs> he was actually deposed and that's why he became a yokai slash vengeful spirit. Possibly a Tengen? Makes yeah. sense. Which is to say that he became a yokai because people wanted to, like, make him look worse in retrospect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, tengu, Tengu. I mean, sure. <laughs> I was possibly the worst joke I've ever told on this podcast. Well, he also became a vengeful spirit who had to be appeased because he was unjustly killed. So there's a lot of interpretations <clears throat> of that legend. Yeah, and he's actually one of the more notable single figures to be missing from Toho. Emperor Sudoku, for reference, is the mm. emperor's name. Because we've seen the other two of the classical list of three. We have Ran for Tamamo, and obviously Suika for Shuten being the, like explicitly the thing. So it's sort of strange that he's been missing. I know a lot of fans say that Sudoku was Tenma. It's possible Tenma is Sudoku, but it's not really that likely. Yeah. It's plausible, but... It's possible that Sudoku is actually a vengeful spirit in Toho, in the Toho-verse. Sudoku is Mima, you heard it here first. (laughs) (laughs) That reminds me, though, the Tengu really could use a little more attention. Yeah. Yeah, all they have is basically a bunch of people debating society in an empty room. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to see it in, like, Lotus Eaters, because Nioi does want to see the world, and so Suika can kind of go anywhere, because who's going to stop her? It does seem to be a yokai-centric manga, too, so I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a yokai protagonist will show us more there than a human one would. Humans are just not going to be climbing the mountain and visiting the middle of Tengu society. I don't think they're going to be, like, interested in that sort of thing. They're just like, are you causing problems? No? Then please leave me alone. I was talking to someone about how the Tengu have really close, like, links to Buddhism and Shugendo and stuff like that. And that kind of gave me the mental image of, like, either a human or a lesser yokai, like... Somehow getting the idea into their heads that they can become a Tengu by training. Well, some Tengu, that is actually true. That's, like, actually true, yeah. Yeah, but is it in Toho? I mean, probably. You can become a yokai by all kinds of means. We haven't seen any of those types of Tengu. You can become a yokai by being a terrible monk. You can become a yokai by being a terrible hermit. You can become a yokai by just being a really annoying person. There's a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, fair. If you just suck, then (laughs) there's a pretty good chance that you're going to become a yokai. So evil people keep winning, I guess. If anything, my point was that they get the idea from the general Tengu mythology, and it might or might not apply to the Tengu in Gensokyo, but they sure are going to try. I don't see why it wouldn't apply in Toho, honestly. (laughs) Like a Tengu weeb. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) basically. Oh my god. To bring it back to Gashidokuro for a second, I like the idea that it can just become invisible (laughs) whenever it wants, and I think it would be fun for there to be a Toho game where it's just yokai who are invisible. Like, the whole story is about invisible yokai. You really have an interesting idea of fun. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, not like invisible on your screen but like <laughs> the theme of the game is yeah, like okay. yokai who are invisible and mm. like you know part of the story is Raymond just keeps running into these things that reveal themselves yeah. which is not any different to a regular Toho game but still it's more surprising and you could do that with the Nurikube too yeah I mean maybe there's like a incident of something invisible causing trouble but no one can tell which one it is Yeah, exactly. So Raymond has to go and beat up all of them. Yes, it'd be perfect. (laughs) Do we want to move on then? I know there's a few... I I think we have plenty. I do want to bring up this one more obscure one before I'm done with my list, if anyone minds. Yeah, sure. Uh, Go ahead. You can do them by person. So there's a yokai, when I was doing research for this episode, that I discovered called the Oil Baby, the (laughs) Abura Akago. There's a lot of yokai that just love drinking oil, aren't there? Yeah, there's a lot of yokai that love drinking oil. I love this one specifically because it's a baby. Well, it's a fireball that can take on the appearance of a baby. You're on fire, baby! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they fly into people's houses, turn into babies, drink all the oil from their lamps, and then fly away. There's a bunch of theories for how this one started. One of them is like the idea that it was like a wild animal that broke into the house and started drinking oil from the lamp, which I think would also explain the fireball part, because a small furry animal may, you know, catch fire drinking from an oil lamp and turn into a ball of fire that flees the house, which is kind of unfortunate, but also that's quite the origin story for a yokai, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And I mostly I mostly like this one because I think it would thinking again of like gameplay in Toho. And I think this one would be fun. Again, you, you tell me I have an interesting idea of fun. So people are going to get Orin flashbacks from this one <laughs> where they turn into a fireball and just kind of charge at you like Orin does in her cat form. There's a bunch of yokai mm. that just exist to make it easier for other yokai to come into your house, aren't there? <laughs> 
Yeah, and also the theme of Toho 17.5 is oil, mysterious oil. So I think it'd be great if there was an oil baby in that game. And also, I'm just a fan of Toho's that are just like small, horrible babies. Eka. Yeah, like Eka, the fairies, anyone like that. Like, they're not my favorite, favorite characters, but I do love them a lot. And there's a place in my heart for all baby Toho's. Mm. Yeah, that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> okay. I think one we also, multiple people brought up earlier, was the Bakekujira, which we also brought up in a previous episode. Oh, well. Yeah. Without, like, specific spoilers, I think we can spoil that Mioi from Lotus Eaters did not, as far as we know, end up being a Bakekujira, which is one of our, <laughs> like, half-choking theories. <laughs> Hey, maybe we'll see Bakekujira in Lotus Eaters later, but... <laughs> yeah, it would be funny if we get a different explanation for a species in every chapter from now on. <laughs> <laughs> she just keeps changing her mind about what she is. She's got really uh, thoughts in her head. So the Bakekujira, it's literally like ghost whale. It's essentially a giant whale skeleton that floats around in the sea, sometimes accompanied by a bunch of weird animals that may or may not also be skeletons. Yeah. And it's sort of one of the things that my complaint, quote-unquote, about Gensokyo as a setting is that Japan has a lot of the ocean is weird and... I mean, everywhere in the world has lots of the ocean is weird and strange stories. Thanks, oarfish and giant squid for <laughs> washing up on shores sometimes and scaring the hell out of medieval people. Yeah, just people drowning in general. Also just weird stuff in the ocean. There's a lot of weird ocean shit that we just don't really have a way of getting. And I know there was at least one fan game that was just dedicated to weird ocean shit. Marine Benefit? Yeah. I think we could put some of them in the Sanzu because... There's already dinosaurs in there. Urumi is based on some ocean yokai, so partially salt water. So you could put some in there, but you won't get the really cool ones like Umibozu, for example. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that many of the ocean-dwelling monsters don't actually care about salt water if we consider that it is a glowing whale skeleton. Yeah, I mean, like, Iku is an oarfish, and she is not from the ocean even a little bit. She's from the sky. Yeah. So, like... Oarfish are weird, though. The whale would probably be annoyed by the lack of a bigger body of water. But, I don't know, it could chill in the lake or something. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's sort of related to sea monsters, and that I think would be something Zun would, in theory, do, is that there's a lot of weird sea creatures in Ainu folklore... Hmm. For those of you who don't know, Japanese minority ethnicities, the Ainu were the indigenous people of Hokkaido. They are. They not were. Yeah, they still are. <laughs> I said I must, that must have picked up weird on my mic. They are, yes, the indigenous people of Hokkaido. There's sort of been a recent cultural revival in a lot of ways in the last couple decades. And have, you know, their own folklore, which is distinct and sometimes severely distinct from quote-unquote mainland Japanese and there's a lot of, like, they have giant octopi and some different sea dragons. And I think, and even so, there's some, you know, beast yokai sort of analogies terrestrially. And I think that as much as Hokkaido is very far from Gensokyo, I feel like something like that would be within Zun's social commentary niche, just because there's a lot of history there. You know what else is far from Gensokyo? Europe. But you still have the Scarlet, so. 
Yeah. yeah. There's no reason why there couldn't be yokai from different parts of Japan in Gensokyo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even, like, we know that there's other other worlds, too, and it's not unreasonable <laughs> that we could have Reimu or Kenko taking a trip to Hokkaido Gensokyo for some reason <laughs> or another, which I think would be cool. They go on a vacation. In winter. And end up having to deal with yokai bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a lot of sea creatures. I have a couple more I'd like to talk about. Does anyone else have one? I mean, I kind of intentionally skipped them because of this. Let's get into the sea creature segment. Welcome to the ocean. Yes, the ocean is strange. There's water in the bottom of the Gensokyo. (laughs) Somebody just choose one and go. So we were just talking about the Bakekujira. Like a lot of them, there's creatures that are just sort of, this is what this kind of thing is. Like there's the Mizuchi is sort of just like, oh, it's like a Western sea serpent. Like, I'm not sure how many, like, uniquely weird yokai versus, like, we have a general notion of, like, what a sea serpent is, what a, hey, this is a giant fish, but fucked up. And we've already seen one ocean native in the form of Minamitsu. So there has been a yokai that has recently sort of emerged in popular consciousness that is relevant to this as a result of COVID, (laughs) which is the Amabie, one of those weird sea creature yokai that emerges from the sea and prophesizes. There's like a lot of those. (laughs) There are so many of those. (laughs) This one in particular seems to have gained a bit of awareness in recent times. I think it's because she's cute. Yeah, definitely. She looks very weird, but in a cute way. And I think that would make for a great Toho character. Yeah. Like, I think Zun could do some amazing things with that design. Three legs and she prophesizes harvests and epidemics. So no wonder she's hashtag relevant in, <laughs> in COVID. Apparently it's just like a symbol for it's been become a thing for covid in japan so i learned something today now you know (laughs) i guess sort of the the reason she went viral is because there's this idea that if you draw her it'll help prevent the spread of the disease it's a meme so we can blame sumiriko (laughs) yeah when in doubt always blame sumiriko yeah it's sumiriko's fault she didn't listen to the sea woman in gensokyo Okay, so the thing I was getting at, the legend or whatever it goes, that the Amabe emerged from the ocean and was like, draw me and it'll show it to people and that'll keep disease from spreading. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's relevant right now. And so it's a fun thing for people to do. And she's cute and I support her. And I want to see her in Taho. Yeah, I'll uh, second the motion. Let's see. Toho doesn't really have that many outright, quote unquote, prophetic characters either. It only mm-hmm. has like... I have a little bit of intuition as a treat. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that, like, quote-unquote fate or destiny or whatever really works in the setting, but I think having a character with some level of precognition would be able to bring in some interesting things. Yeah, like, maybe she just can predict outcomes really well for events or something. Yeah. And that would be an annoying mechanic as well, where she, like, responds to your button inputs and, like, teleports away in the opposite direction or something. Especially since nobody has homing when focused anymore, and (laughs) (laughs) I may rely on things. I especially think that, like, precognition in that kind of more setting-relevant sense, diseases and, like, harvests in this case, it isn't, like, 
harmful to the setting or anything. There are some kinds of kind of worms questions regarding like too wide precognition, yeah. especially when it comes to like fandom speculation, obviously, but it's a legit problem <laughs> in my opinion in some cases. I definitely think it wouldn't be a problem in when it's limited to specific things that aren't like directly relevant to anything but the plot. Yeah. Anyway, if she predicts a disease outbreak, can Romelia Scarlet change this? Send all your speculating letters <laughs> to Dev Null. <laughs> can Flandre destroy <laughs> illnesses? Send them all to chiaikidan.tumblr.com. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other specific sea creatures that we wanted to talk about, or is the Amavia the only one? Aside from vague sea creatures and... Uh, there's a bunch that are basically weird fish or serpents. Yeah, I do like the shark man yokai that cries gems, but... The only other sea creatures I would want to talk about are subsets of the women, but watch out, that I want to talk about later. Yeah. With the ocean done, do we want to then move to... And we've talked about these categories a bit. The quote-unquote generic yokai of Gensokyo, which are Beast Yokai and Tsukumogami. Let's do it. I know you had a whole thing about Tsukumogami that you yeah. wanted to Yeah. <clears throat> so Tsukumogami are, have a huge number of varieties. Like, we've seen, what, seven in Toho? I mean, essentially, any type of object that isn't electrical could be a Tsukumogami if it lived to see a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. it's a... Sin- there's, there's clothed Tsukumogami, there's... Furniture Tsukumogami, there's tools yeah. that are Tsukumogami, which are the most common type in Toho. I think that it would be cool to have, like, a book Tsukumogami or something. Could be friends with Kasuzu. I think the 100-year rule is common but not universal in, like, most Tsukumogami, but Toho kind of made it at least something of a rule. No, medicine isn't 100 years old. Yeah, that's also, I think, stuff that's sort of disposed of improperly or disrespectfully tends to become Tsukumogami. Yeah. And there's all just a bunch of random general usage Tsukumogami or like sandal Tsukumogami and stuff like that wouldn't exist if it took 100 years. Yeah, one of my (laughs) favorites is the Tsukumogami of a discarded stirrup, like, you know, from a, a saddle. (laughs) <laughs> and it is just like a little ball of fur with a strap sticking out of it and a big eye. <laughs> Let me see if I can... A bumigachi, <laughs> which is... Uh, a tongue twister. Still a stirrup mouth. You know, a stirrup falls off and it waits for its rider to come back. And I will link this in the description of the video, but here is what they look like. And you will immediately see why I would like to see that in Toho. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. It's so fluffy and cute. <laughs> it is. It's just, just the goofiest looking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and the hands are cute too. Yes, I think this might also fit into the other category of things that someone drew once. Yeah. At yeah, least that's true for a lot of Tsukumogami, I think. But at least these have some sort of like background in that Tsukumogami exists. Yeah. This sort of napkin doodle. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Napkin doodle, except it got published and hugely popular. The Harry Potter yokai? I can't imagine them being, like, hugely popular unless there's some really deep symbolical importance attached to this stirrup that I don't know of. Most of them were puns. Yeah. Yeah. Those two. I just think this one looks funny, so... And Tsukimogami, 
if you're like a Japanese painter, you know, woodblock cutter or any of that, and you just like, I just want to come up with something funny and sell it in my store. There's so many things you can make a Tsukumogami out of. I feel like a lot of the people who drew these were just sort of having fun with, here's what this creature might look like, or... Yeah, yeah, I love it. She would have like really big fluffy hair that goes down to the like floor and like sleeves that have like tassels hanging from them mm-hmm. it would be a good design yeah i can see that the other thing i was sort of so 100 years and no electricity is the rule for Sukumagami. and as i personally am a giant nerd i would really like to see some Sukumagami of just because 100 years ago now is 1920s. So, like, something made in the First World War could be a Tsukumogami. And there's plenty of non-electrical things from, like, the Industrial Revolution or the period immediately after it. Like, what would a Bessemer furnace Tsukumogami look like? <laughs> I want to see a steam engine Tsukumogami. Yeah, or like a typewriter or something. Choo-choo. I guess the typewriter would be old enough. Are they electrical? There's fully mechanical typewriters. Yeah. Yeah, there's tons of those. It's just, yeah, I hadn't thought about that because i think it would be a, it was a turn of the century thing yeah and especially in like toho where stories and texts have a lot of like thematic importance to the series yeah and there's plenty of like tsukumogami for quills and things too so it would be an interesting like writing implements of the various ages <laughs> the typewriter tsukumogami could be friends with the tsukumogami of a blank journal that was purchased but never written in <laughs> Oh, I don't... I'm guilty of that. <laughs> there are going to be a lot of those a hundred years from now. <laughs> yeah, and they can be friends with, like, Kosuzu and Akio. It'd be cute. Yes, friends. <laughs> <laughs> friends with Kosuzu, not so much friends with Akio. Can you imagine yeah. her trying to write in a journal and it just getting up and walking away? <laughs> <laughs> It criticizes her prose. This fanfiction sucks. I'm leaving. (laughs) There's like a lot of things that people think of as modern, but are sufficiently old as to... I'm something of an industrial revolution nerd. I think it would be interesting to see some of these like mechanical innovations and how that interacts with... You know, now you're obsolete. Usually you're obsolete within 20 years. Congratulations. Like, if you're somehow just, you know, abandoned or you're a crucible furnace that got tossed out somewhere because, you know, people hadn't figured out how to recycle whatever alloy it was or it wasn't worth the cost when metal was cheap, there's plenty of potential origin stories there just in terms of the pace of innovation at the time. You're not going to see a respectful send-off for most of your tools. Yeah. In general, most of the Tsukamagami either in actual mythology or in Toho arc, the items themselves are kind of ageless in the sense that we still have, like, umbrellas and sandals and drums, and we, like, immediately know what those are. But there's plenty of, even before going to the industrial era, which I think is really interesting too, it would be interesting to have, like, Tsukamagami of something that we kind of think of as forgotten as a whole. Something that we just literally don't use anymore. Most people might not know it even existed. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of like a thing from 1920 that I don't know exists. I I think it would be hard for any of us to think of something that (laughs) we don't know exists. Uh, Yeah. Even farther from history, you could find plenty of like craftsman's tools and stuff like that. Yeah. Mysterious ritual tools. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ritual implements. Fertility rights. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of room for interesting Tsukumagami. Mm. Tsukumagami are kind of interesting as just like a folklore 
phenomena, yeah. kind of. Be nice to objects, otherwise they will not be nice to you. Yeah. And they're a yes. very old thing in folklore, too. Like, even by yokai standards, they yeah. predate most, like, written documents. Yeah, a lot of yokai from that era kind of just went by the wayside as things started to get written down. Yeah, there's both the, like, philosophical reason, but then just people looking at things and going, would it be fucked up or what, if that thing grew legs? And a lot of the Tsukumogami kind of, like, incorporate some specific trait of the item that makes it easy to imagine how people might have, like, gotten the inspiration for the idea. Yeah. Like, various fabric Tsukumogami that specialize in strangling people and stuff like that. Yeah. Would it be fucked up if my belt just came to life and started killing me? (laughs) (laughs) The futon that, like, smothers you in your sleep is just, that's just someone got really drunk and woke up wrapped in their blankets and was like, shit, this would be a great ghost story. Or somebody wanted to excuse a murder. (laughs) I feel like it's probably more somebody wakes up drunk and is, like, struggling with their futon and is like, the next day they're like, oh my god, I swear to god, the thing was trying to kill me. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's way more likely, yes. But I think it's also just kind of a silly concept. I mean, we've like mythological creatures in general there's always the kind of weird mix of some of them being like stories that people like actually believed in and others being something that people like knowingly made up and often presented as made up i think that tsukumogami are sort of a bit of both because like the concept definitely dates back to like it was used in the spread of buddhism to japan and things like it was referenced in a lot of old documents as this is a thing that actually happens yeah but i think there's a lot of specific types of tsukumogami that someone is just like wouldn't it be fucked up if your brush grew a face and its bristles were hair or something. Yeah, and we brought up all the yokai that are, like, based on a pun or that someone just, like, threw into a scroll to make a nice illustration. Yeah. Yeah, this is my Tsukumagami sauna. (laughs) A difference between, like, yokai that have legends about them or even just a couple of stories and (laughs) a funny yokai picture. And I think that this is as much true for the broad categories of yokai, like the Tsukumagami and the other the previous like generic yokai concept in toho which is the animal yokai mm-hmm. the overall concept is what's the serious element or whatever in the folklore there's so many derivatives that you can sort of spring off that if you're an aspiring painter or i think that a lot of animal yokai are actually considered or were considered real things in their time Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, comparatively percentage-wise to Tsukumogami. They're like an easy way to explain slash easy conclusion to reach from strange things happening and animals behaving strangely and like just explaining that some weird person was actually an animal, things like that. Yeah. I mean, you can't explain that with rabies. Yeah. <laughs> I think that shows up kind of globally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Japan might be kind of notable for just how many like different variants of not just people turning into animals in general but or vice versa but specific species of shape-shifting animals. Mm-hmm. 
Like, besides the big ones that we have, like tanuki and foxes, a lot of other, like, mammals, like badgers and... Badgers and weasels and bears, oh my. (laughs) A lot of the time, it's animals that are seen as unnaturally intelligent. Yeah, Yeah. and some of them are also ones that tend to show up, dig up human garbage and stuff like that. Yeah, ones that show up in Mm -hmm. human settlements. This animal is so smart. It must have lived for like a hundred years or whatever. Yeah. That's one of the requirements, right? I bet it's plotting to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, for weasels, that's... For like a lot of mustelids, that probably is true. Like, they won't choose to fight you, but if you just choose to fight them, they will have a plan to take you down. (laughs) They don't start (laughs) fights, they end them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, one of the like specific weasel yokai that aren't just weasels is the kamaitachi, mm-hmm. which is the like sequel weasel that I think people are like broadly familiar with from like anime and stuff like that. Yeah, it's the yokai of you end up with slash wounds all over you, even though the wind wasn't that hard that day. Yeah, it seems like. A lot of these stories of them basically have the one thread in common, which is that it was really windy and someone got hurt somehow. Mm-hmm. Some of them are basically just, oh my, it was windy and I tripped. I bet some kind of yokai attacked me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're talking about now. I never knew that there was a weasel involved in this. I thought it was just like razor wind. It's the weasel creating razor wind. Yeah. Or the weasel being the wind. It goes really fast by you and cuts you on its way by. I mean, you actually do have some weird legends about razor winds that yeah. aren't just, oh, I tripped and hurt myself. But there's also, I think it's really interesting how there's just a combination of, oh, there must be a yokai behind this. And wow, that's actually a really cool story. I would love to know the explanation for that. But you lived a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. The problem I have with the specifically... The Razorwind Weasel is, like, five years ago or whatever, in one of my old Toho communities, someone was talking about it, and then someone in their infinite wisdom just started shouting, and in IRC terms, that means all caps spamming, Sonic the Hedgehog! Sonic the Hedgehog! (laughs) (laughs) And I just can't ever unthink. Like, whoever you were, I don't even remember your IRC handle person who it was probably in like 2007 at this point god a billion years ago but whoever did that to me well played congratulations <laughs> at least at least there are normal itachi that you can have yeah. as yokai instead yeah i think a razor wind weasel would be an amazing toho character though oh yeah absolutely i think one reason it's really popular as a concept is because it's a very evocative concept for fantasy settings and stuff like that. I also think it's popular because it's one of the weird animal yokai that isn't just a weird animal. Yeah, it's got like an inbuilt elemental attack and stuff like that. Yeah. It makes for good gameplay. It's a lot easier to make good gameplay out of it rather than having to come up with a concept yourself. Is this why one of the charge attacks in Grand Blue is called Wind Weasel? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I've like... always wondered about that. Like, it's such a <laughs> weird name for, like, a super attack. But now it makes sense yeah. to me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, the other beast yokai, we've sort of got a lot of the classics in Toho. Tanuki, foxes. 
There is a shape-shifting, I think, badger as well. It would be yeah. nice to sort of round that trio yeah. out. There's also just a lot of, wow, that's a really big wolf. Yeah. That can't <laughs> be a normal wolf. Well, there's also some legends where they're just like, we are really big wolves, and now we are supernaturally intelligent wolves that will climb trees when you yeah. try to run away from us. Watch out. You gotta wonder if at least some of those like giant wolf stories come from people just not knowing how big wolves are. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I would guess probably 100% of them. Yeah. But also, like, of course, in general, again, globally in all mythologies, giant animals are like the most basic creature. Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy way to make something dangerous and to imagine something dangerous. Mm. Yeah. I definitely saw a video like yesterday of a moose just walking down the highway and it was like like four or five times taller than the cars next to it <laughs> yeah and i was just like that was really the first time i'd ever seen a moose like to scale <laughs> it was much bigger than i thought it was i've seen a few meese in my time meese. and <laughs> the plural of moose is meese and i will die on this hill <laughs> <laughs> mooses is a dumb sounding phrase and i am aware that meese sounds Inherently comical as well. It's just moose, though. Goose, geese, moose, meese. But the plural uh, of moose is moose. I was about to say that I'm not oh. sure what's the plural of elk. <laughs> is it still elk? I think my... Um, elk yeah, is a self-plural, so yeah, yeah, it makes sense that it's moose, moose. But I like to say meese, and I'm from sufficiently far north that I have seen them before. And yeah, to get back on traffic, you see one of them, you go the other way. Yeah, they kind of like... You don't really know how big a moose is until you see a moose. And then you kind of forget how big a moose is until you see another moose. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of think they're like, oh, it's a horse with uh, big funny bone hands on its head. And then it's like... No. It's two horses in a moose suit wearing another <laughs> horse on their head as funny bone things. Yeah. Yeah. Wearing the bone trophy of a horse they killed. Horses don't fight each other. They only kill us. <laughs> yes, they do. They fight each other when they think that one of them is disguising themselves as a horse in, and they're actually a human. See, this would be oh, a God. great time for me to do a wouldn't it be fucked up if there was a horse in Toho bit, but like there actually is a horse in Toho now. And she's fucked and up. And it is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't actually... it be fucked up if Kurakamasaki had teeth? <laughs> I mean, it's actually kind of, speaking of, it is absolutely fucked up that she's carnivorous, but... Aren't horses omnivores, technically? Horses will eat anything. Well, okay, yeah, yeah but... Quick note from the future, horses are not technically omnivores, they're herbivores, but can digest meat like anything else when there's not enough plant matter. So, we kind of beeped it on this one. This is not a horse facts podcast. But, um, uh, it's kind of weird that she got wings. I think it's because she jumps. And f that's the same word as flies. She fought and ate a pegasus and gained its power. <laughs> the, the whole thing is is that, like, the words jump and fly, as you might know, are, like, the same word in Japanese. Like, especially when her power is unparalleled leg strength. I think it would be funnier if, if it were just jump good. Oh, horrible. Well, well she flies <laughs> by flapping her legs. Yeah. <laughs> the wings are just decoration, kind of like Flandres. <laughs> Okay, sure. Yeah. I can live with that. Anyway, do you have anything else to say about beast yokai? I think that uh, beast yokai are cool and we need more species of them. 
Yeah. Agreed. They're yes. animals. People like animals. We haven't had a bear yet. I would like a bear, please, Mr. Zun. Bear with me, Mr. Zun. Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to talk about... I think we might have to save Women But Watch Out for the next episode because we are at an hour of Raw. Yeah, that would probably be a good idea. Women But Watch Out is just a whole other thing that you could put a bunch of analysis in Toho itself about, so... Yeah, I got any specific ones? Oh, there's a bunch. (laughs) Yeah, but specific ones to round out this episode. Yeah, like, is there anything that you want to talk about to sort of wrap up the episode? I like the Hari Onako because if you smile at her in the middle of the street because you're being a weirdo, she will hunt you down with her hair. (laughs) I think that's just really valid of her. (laughs) Yeah. Is the Noparabo part of that segment or is that just a separate... I don't think they're female. Noparabo are... Usually just normal people, but fucked up. It isn't necessarily women. Yeah. But yeah, you could have a yeah. woman, but fucked up, no problem, probably. Yeah, did they have anything <laughs> just... else specific besides just being faceless and spooking people by being faceless? They make their face disappear. Yeah, and there's also usually a lot of them. So when you run away from one, there's another one, which is just like, oh, did they look like this? And then they make <laughs> their face disappear. Oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> There's also plenty of times that they're a disguise of Mujina or Kitsune or Tanuki or any number of other shape-shifting animals that just haven't learned to get faces yet. Mujina being the badgers. Yeah. Actually, a lot of times you get Mujina used as the translation of Noparabo because Lafcadio Hearn beefed it <laughs> in his early translations. <laughs> Speaking of, I have the impression that, I don't know if it's just me conflating Tanuki and badgers, but I think they... Get some overlap. No, they get a bunch of overlap. Yeah, the words... Because it used to... I believe Mujina used to refer to, like, all of the little ground furry things that eat other little ground furry things. And then, like, the terms diverge dialectically, and there's some weird linguistic history there. It's dialects. I do think that a Noparabo would be a really fun Toho character, because you could do lots of fun things with the talk sprites. Yeah. You could just have, like, the surprise sprite be completely faceless. Yeah, like, you could have, like, she, she just makes her face disappear. And then she could have one that's a Hano Hano Moheji face. <laughs> yeah. Um, or I feel like you could get a lot of mileage out of just the no face, but then use very emotive, like, effects. Like, Zoom likes to use the little emoticons in his talk sprites, and then he also has really emotive gestures too yeah yeah it would also be good practice for like figure drawing for him like doing different poses and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm not just saying this because it would be funny to see a lot of jojo's bizarre adventure based fan art but just like having a toho communicate by furiously gesturing at you at the start (laughs) of a boss fight and just reimu or marisa frantically trying to figure out like what are you expressing (laughs) (laughs) although they can actually talk despite not having a face but I just, I enjoy the image of just these extremely exaggerated gesture, like bodily motions to compensate for no face. Yeah, it'd be really good. I'm still stuck on the mental image of a Toho character with a Hena Hena Moheji face. <laughs> I think that that would be great too. I think a combination of the poses and the sometimes facial expressions would be really mm. impactful. Yeah. I trust Zun to figure out the best way to do those. When the fight starts, they just draw on angry eyebrows. 
But like, and, you know that one gif of the teddy bear slapping angry eyebrows onto their face? <laughs> Actually, you know what? That would be one more Tsukumagami I would like to see. I would love to see a stuffed toy Tsukumagami. Just like, put them into the category of the babies who are nasty. I just want like a little teddy bear hanging out with the fairies. Medicine needs a friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like Tsukumogami can get poisoned. They're like household objects. And I guess aside from just the Hena Hena Maheji face, it would be fun if this dog did like Kawamoji faces. I'm actually just imagining her like laughing sprite is just a bunch of W's on her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot you could do with that. I want to see it. Yeah. So I guess that's it for this week. If I don't even know if we have a a single thing we want to do to close all of it out. We sort of had a came up with a few cool concepts for characters. Does anyone have any final remarks on yokai that are not in Toho before we move on to next week of women but watch out? I mean, one pretty famous yokai that isn't in Toho is the Kirin. True. <laughs> no, there's totally a Kirin in Toho. No, there's not. Yes. <laughs> An embodiment of Scarlet Devil. Queen Satsuki is actually a beer brand. Yeah. She's beer <laughs> Kirin is actually a Tsukumagami of a beer glass in disguise. <laughs> a great concept. I love it. Also, like, we only talked about yokai, but, you know, lately Zun's been doing a lot of, like, obscure gods and just, like, figures from folklore and history and all sort of mishmashed and jumbled up into characters. Sometimes even combined with yokai. It'd be fun to explore those at some point, too, maybe, but that would require a lot of research of Japanese history. Hmm. So maybe save that one for later. Yeah, we will read the Kojiki in the original Japanese someday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's our uh, 1,000 subscriber special to steal a bit from my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> this is a promise. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unless anyone else has any last minute yokais to shout out to put in Toho, I believe that that has been Outside World Occultism for the week. And, you know, hopefully not for the month. We will see you next period of time. <laughs> so we will see you in the next Redacted and enjoy your thing uh thanks to barakoo i'm not sure how to say their name for the arrangement of our theme song which may or may not have debuted in this episode depending on how i decide to edit things but will definitely be in this episode shout outs to them shout out to them hi <laughs> <laughs> submit yourself to the mortifying ordeal of being known as the arranger of our theme song shout out to our other increasingly support staff for our <laughs> Lyric Alive for doing our transcripts. Shout out to Redacted for not actually sponsoring this show, but if anyone wants to sponsor this show, you can't. We're non-commercial. Please direct your money instead to any number of good causes. You can send it to my PayPal if you want. Yeah, you can send it to my bank account too, but don't, I'm not going to spend it on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now that we have all the official podcast sounding things taken care of, enjoy your Redacted period of time. Bye. Enjoy. Goodbye. We'll see you. Bye.